0: Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast where we discuss stories across pop culture plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 74 and today we are going behind the story. I'm your co-host Nigel and this week we unfortunately don't have Tazzy. She's feeling a little under the weather so she will be back with us next week. So uh, you are here with me and um, my guest. Uh, So allow me to introduce freelance games designer Rosa Carbo-Mascarell. Rosa, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. Uh, Yeah, looking forward to uh, talking with you, um, finding out more about what you do uh, and also TikTok. Uh, I think we're gonna, that's going to come up uh, at some point <laughs> in uh, certain TikTok videos. But we'll get there. Uh, we'll get there in a second. Um, so you can subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. You can also send us feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com. Drop them in our Discord or just throw them at us on social media. We are at myamada on Twitter, at My TV on Instagram or at Tazzy on both. Uh, before we get to Pepper and Rosa with uh, our questions for today, I just want to give an update on what's happening in the Mayamada universe. So we are uh, almost too fast approaching the end of summer. Uh, so uh, we're now in August. which is kind of scary because eight months of the years gone, what have I done and all that. Anyway, we're not here for that. Um, so we've got our games night, uh, August games night happening at the end of the month. So I think this one, usually we do the last Thursday of the month. This one might be last Friday, but if you follow us online, once we pin down the date, uh, we will get that uh, get that sorted. Uh, we're gonna be playing Pokemon Unite. Uh, so new free to play Pokemon game. Uh, that's came uh, that come out on uh, things on like mobile and Switch. Uh, we're going to be playing with uh, studio of 77 members live on Twitch. So we just played Identity V. Uh, we're going to have highlights of that up soon. And yeah, you can uh, come along and watch us play some Pokemon Unite. Uh, as well as the Games Night we're going to be playing, we have highlights from our Roblox and Fortnite uh, Games Night on youtube so you can go check that out uh, watch us play that both games i have uh or had played for the first time in that games night so basically just come and watch me learn (laughs) about games uh, everyone else has been playing for uh years and years um other than that we have the the next gamepad online event coming october the 16th so it's a saturday Going to be live on Twitch. It's going to be hosted by Tazzy. And we're going to have our usual lineup of the Friendly Fire competition, industry interviews, and panels. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. This time, we are switching things around. So we're working on changing some things for our Friendly Fire. So we're going to uh, be bringing in new games. We're looking at uh, using Knockout City. Uh, as one of the games um, and then making some changes to uh, Rocket League to switch things up a little bit and make it a bit more unpredictable. Uh, So as always, tickets are free and we're going to be working on doing new My Matter artwork uh, for the autumn to mark that event. So high-res versions will go out to our Discord community uh, and then one uh, ticket holder We'll get a print version uh, on canvas. So yeah, like I said, follow us uh, on social media or jump in our Discord when we've got that all together. We will let you know what it looks like and let you know uh, what you need to do to be in a chance with winning. So stay tuned for more updates on Gamepad as we confirm the teams, the games, uh, the interviews, and yeah, where you can, uh, how you can get involved. Uh, okay, that is enough about us for today. Let's go behind the story and talk to more. So let me do that again. Let's go behind the story with today's guest. As I mentioned, Rosa is a freelance games designer uh, who has worked with clients such as Nexus Studio, Google Org, the Chinese Room, Samsung, uh, and weirdly enough, the UK Labour Party, which I did not expect to be in that list so I might have to ask about that (laughs) uh, in a little bit Uh, she was also MCV's campaign of the year in 2018 and one of develops 30 under 30 as well as being a BAFTA jury member all while developing her own indie game so you're doing a lot and we're gonna see what we can pick apart (laughs) uh, and find out more about but as I usually uh, we like to do with the interviews, start at the beginning. So you are a Spanish games designer living in the UK. Yes. So what I'm interested to know is where in Spain did you grow up, and how how did your career bring you to the UK?
1: Oh wow! Okay, so. Uh, I am Spanish, both of my parents are Spanish, and my whole family, apart from myself and my sister, they all live in the same small village in Spain.
0: <laughs> okay, wow.
1: So it's only me and my sister who have left Spain, left our little corner of the world. <laughs> so they're all, we're all from Valencia, or like a village close to Valencia. And growing up, I actually lived in a lot of different places, Um, so my dad, he used to work at Ericsson in one of their, like, expat, like, they were called, like, an expat division, but basically it meant that they sent him, like, to different places, depending on, like, where they needed him, and they, basically, we would follow after, basically. (laughs) Right. So...
0: You got to, right? <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so I got to travel a little bit. Uh, so I actually grew up in uh, Sweden, in Germany, in the Netherlands, and then of course, Spain. But yeah, I mean, growing up in all these different places, it meant that like the only language that was really like constant, well, apart from Spanish, the only language that was really constant throughout my life was English. <laughs> mm. So when it came to like you know deciding where to study and what to study I kind of like already knew from a young age that I wanted to study in English like do university in English so like the best place to do that was the UK <laughs>
0: okay yeah yeah so. we, do, we do well with the English over here
1: yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I I came to the UK as like an 18 year old to do my degree in the UK that's how I ended up here.
0: <laughs> so you came with like I'm gonna work in video games and, and this is where I need um, to be.
1: I actually didn't know that I wanted to work in video games at the time. So uh. I actually didn't grow up with video games. Like we never had consoles growing up. I did have a PC but I didn't really play many games on it. My dad had like Age of Empires.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I saw so Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I played Age of Empires a lot as a kid, but that was pretty much like the only game I played and the sims i played the sims so like video games wasn't really like a part of my like world if that makes sense like it wasn't really something i knew that i could end up doing like i was i wanted to play video games but it was something that i had to go to like other friends houses to play and then i'd be like oh this is amazing
0: (laughs) (laughs) so what changed what what changed in terms of like now i want to work in video games
1: Well, so I went to the UK to study architecture at first, actually, because I was really creative. I really liked, you know, like drawing. I, you know, I was a really creative kid, but I was also really good at maths and I really liked maths. (laughs) And so as a kid, when you like ask like, oh, what can I do that like is science, but also is creative? The answer that people would give was like, oh, architecture, you could be an architect. Uh, So I was like, okay, that sounds good. (laughs) So I went and um, did a degree in architecture, three years. But I, as I was um, studying in architecture school, that's when I started playing more video games. So uh, yeah, so I was living with friends, and I mean, the PlayStation Three had already come out, but we bought this like really like secondhand PlayStation Two for like twenty pounds, <laughs> and <then laughs> I just started like <laughs> playing video games.
0: Wow, twenty pounds for PS Two
1: yeah yeah it was like
0: (laughs) i must have been like fifth hand or something yeah
1: (laughs) it was it was like way old like no one was like people had stopped uh releasing playstation 2 games for like five years already (laughs) so yeah but i started playing more video games and i got a steam account and started playing more uh pc games and i started getting really into it i remember i was in architecture school starting to be an architect and i played uh portal portal games so portal 1 and portal 2 and as i was playing them suddenly i had a thought i was like wait a second someone had to decide where the walls in this game need to be
0: (laughs) (laughs) i can i can tell you i i've played both portal 1 and portal 2 and never had that thought
1: (laughs) I guess I was studying architecture, so yeah, like was, my mind. Was, architecture. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, wait a second. <laughs> so if someone has to think in the same way that I do when I'm, you know, in architecture school. Like, does that mean that I could, like, there's someone like making these games and making the same decisions that I'm? you know, the same design process I'm going through in architecture school. And that's when, like, I've realized that, like, oh, people make video games. <laughs> 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 people make video games, which means that I could maybe make video games too.
0: I like how this, this equation came together. <laughs> Wars, <laughs> people, me.
1: Yeah, me. I could do this. I'm people. I'm people. I'm a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then... I did a little bit of, like, work experience as an architect, like, in some of the summers. And I realized that, like, I really enjoyed architecture school, but being an architect didn't, wasn't really my thing. Right. And as I was playing more video games, I was like, oh, I wonder if, like, I could do, apply what I've learned in architecture school to, like, video games. Like, could I be someone in video games? Could I work there? Um. So I started, like, shifting oh like it's so funny because like in my third year suddenly like all my projects started shifting towards virtual stuff towards like oh really <laughs> video game themed buildings <laughs>
0: yeah yeah so as you were designing Portal war 2 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <basically. laughs>
1: i remember like in my third year i i was like i want to learn unity so i opened up unity and i did one of my projects one of my architecture projects in unity um you could, like walk around one of the buildings that i had done for um for the course and like i had some teachers who were like oh that's great that's so innovative you can actually walk around the building that's amazing and then i had some teachers that were like stop doing this you're never going to get employed as an architect
0: <laughs> yeah i could i was going to ask like was that the majority reaction
1: it was like kind of 50 50 okay uh, yeah there were some teachers who were really supportive of me and what i was doing and they were like look at you know if you already know that you don't want to be an architect it doesn't really matter like you can you can go off and do these things and it's interesting and it's still applicable to architecture in some way because you have like 3d modeling and and like visualization is a big part of like the architectural world but other professors were more interested in like you know stats. Do, do architecture that's why you're here why are you yeah. here then otherwise yeah 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 i can
0: imagine i can i can see that because especially I think when you get certain subjects, people are, I guess for like a better word, protective. So to bring anything outside of that could be an insult, but in video games, which is, you know, many people see as like, you know, just this like non-serious play thing. It's like, you're, you're messing up the architecture stuff with this, <laughs> with this video games.
1: Yeah, a little bit, I remember my final, the very, very final project, uh, the big, like the course leader said like, and I prohibit any virtual or video game stuff for this project. Oh, wow. Specifically to me. I, <laughs> I was so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, not allowed. That <laughs> actually upset me quite a lot. And uh yeah, I didn't do so well in my final, final project because I was a bit like, oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, not that's a shame. Thing. But you made it. You made it but out. I made it. But
1: I made you it, made it <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I still made it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And what was like... The support from parents or family it was like, was there a similar thing in terms of you needed to convince them once you decided you wanted to work in games versus architecture? Or-
1: no, actually, like my parents, I've been lucky in that, like my parents have always been really supportive of like, whatever I want to do. I mean, it was really easy. Like they understood, you know, I was like, oh, I want to go into video games. and They, you know, they were aware of video games. It wasn't like, they were like, what is,
0: <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> what
1: is this strange thing that, you know. Even though, like, we never had a console in our house today.
0: But they knew what it was, and yeah, right. they
1: knew what it was.
0: Yeah, that always helps.
1: Yeah, so after I graduated, I took a year out and I helped a fr- uh, Like, the Oculus Rift had just kickstarted, and I had a friend who got one, basically. And I took a year out to kind of like, play around <laughs> with the vr um so i made some projects for the like the Oculus rift um we're just playing around um but also like at that time like I didn't know what I was doing or what I you know I oh, went you just in
0: general in life, not with the Oculus Rift. Yeah, in mean, life, okay. in, yeah,
1: general in life. I came out of art school, I was a little bit burnt out from like that final project. It's like I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I went back to Spain to be with stay with family for a year while I figured myself out and like in the meantime like helped my friend make random things for the Oculus Rift yeah and that was me for about a, a year
0: <laughs> and then you came I guess you came back and then into into the industry
1: yes so after that I applied to do a master's at Brunel University which was oh, one of the Prudel. like yeah it was one of I the you few- really
0: yeah, uh, no a long, long, long time ago. But I, I have a I have a piece of paper with my name and Brunel's logo. <laughs> on, That's on
1: amazing. Yeah. what did what did you study there?
0: So uh, here's uh, let's continue the theme of like complete tangents from what you actually studied in university. <laughs> but um, I did engineering, so <laughs> my degree is computer systems engineering, oh, uh, and I worked it? as a software yeah. engineer for a number of years, and then I work in comics and video games and with young people. <laughs>
1: that's so cool yeah like, hey, Brunel alumni <laughs> Nice.
0: yeah where did you were you on I know this is for people listening this is gonna take a bit of a tangent while we talk about Brunel for a second but did, were you on <laughs> like were you on campus or well...
1: yeah I was I was on campus so I did a master's degree so I was there for one year and I was on campus um in one of their student halls uh, uh yeah yeah
0: cool. Bruno alumni nice yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i was there for a year i did the masters in game design which was one of the few game design master's degree that existed at the time now there's like m- many more <laughs> but back then like that was one of like three um, wow. that existed and it was the one that wasn't like super super expensive uh... yeah, yeah,
0: yeah that's, that's a good point yeah. good, to, good distinction
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh now there's plenty more options but yeah at the time yeah, so I did that for a year uh, and I really enjoyed it. I went in thinking, okay, this is a master's degree. It's going to be so much more difficult than anything you've done before. And actually, like, it was much easier than my architecture degree. I think maybe <laughs> I think maybe it was just because, like...
0: Or just because you were so good at it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: wish I could say that, but... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> no,
0: but you know, I think like, just... sometimes when it's the thing that... You're, that you want to do you find it easier to do yeah
1: exactly exactly i think that's what was going on is that like with architecture i was kind of like towards the end especially i was kind of like forcing my way through it um whereas like when i did the masters in game design like it just clicked you know like you know it just clicked and i enjoyed it so much
0: <laughs> totally get yeah. that um i mean given that you came from architecture was there was there anything in architecture that has helped you in your role now so we're going to get into like you know the specific Mm -hmm. role you do now but yeah was anything you were able to bring over like any skills or experiences from architecture that helped you in games
1: yeah I think the thing that helped me the most I mean there were a couple of things I think the design process is very similar like the way you have to think about how you design a building how you design a game like the process is very similar All that changes is like, you know, some frameworks and some details and stuff. But uh, yeah, so I could bring that over. And uh, basically like iteration as well, very similar. So like in architecture school, we had to like, you know, we did one design and we drew it out. And then every week, like we'd sit in front of our professors and like they would take out some transparent paper put it on top and just red line everything and we'd have to change everything all over again (laughs) and so we so then like we spend the next week like painstakingly doing these drawings again and then next week you know take in front of the professor they would like scribble red all over and we'd have to do it over and over again and like with games it's a very similar process it's like you know you do one thing you, you know instead of taking it to a professor who like draws red pen all over it you're taking it to like a player who like plays it, and then you like mark. Okay, this didn't work. This didn't work. And then you take it back and you change it and make it better, and then put it in front of them again. So that's also very similar. You have to learn how to like be okay with the fact that like your design is never going to be perfect. It's never going to be great.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and you're
1: constantly going to have to like redo it over and over. Um, so.
0: That's an important lesson to learn. It's it's funny because I do so I do workshops with uh, young people and. Uh, around like comic storytelling and creating characters and stuff and i always laugh a little inside when i see kids like taking so much care and it's good it's not it's not a bad thing mm. but taking so much care to like do a character and trying to get it perfect i'm like you're gonna have to do that over and over again like don't <laughs> yeah. don't worry so much about it but yeah yeah so it's a good lesson that you learned
1: yeah i know for sure you learn to not be so attached to your designs not so emotionally involved in them (laughs) because they're gonna you know you're gonna have to redo them
0: (laughs) exactly all right so like i said you you made it out you found your way uh into into the video game industry so you are a games designer yes can you can you explain for those that might not be aware what is a game designer and where do you fit in the game making process
1: yeah sure so the game designer basically is the one that makes sure that players are having a good experience. Uh, so we're the ones that decide what the rules of the game should be. So, for example, you know, take tic-tac-toe. So a game designer would be the one that thinks, okay, so I think this should be a two-player game, uh, and I think you should have, you know, one player should have X's, one player should have O's, and they take turns drawing them on a grid of three by three, and then they think, okay. Um, maybe this does isn't as interesting. What if the grid was ten by ten? You know, let's make the grid ten by ten. Or what if instead of a two player game, it's a three player game? You know, we we think about those questions like, how does the game work? What are the rules?
0: So it's quite fundamental, really. So it's very early in the thinking.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like, this is why iteration is so important because you could never know exactly if your rules are going to play out how you expect them to play out um so you know for example tic-tac-toe you make the basic tic-tac-toe you watch people play tic-tac-toe and then you're like oh actually that there's it's really short we want the game to be longer okay so you know let's increase the grid or yeah something like that
0: yeah it's um actually it's a good example that looking at a a tabletop game because it makes you realize how like say there's there's rules that you will lay down that this is how the games work. This is what's allowed. This is what is not uh, allowed. But then there's that element of I was going to say fun, but maybe like engagement is a is a better yeah. is a better word of. You now have to put it in front of people, and then you learn that actually maybe the like you say the game's too short, or maybe the turns are taken too long, so like one person has to watch the other for too long and they get bored. A sense of progress that people are getting all those things that. That those variables that you only find out when you put it in front of people. Yeah. And then you've got to go, okay, now we're going to tweak things. So that's where the iteration comes in. We're going to tweak this, we're going to tweak that, test it again, and then go from there.
1: Yeah, exactly that's
0: pretty much what a game designer does cool okay and uh, I did mention uh, TikTok so uh, I saw a video you did so I'm going to put this video in the show notes so people can see it but you did a video highlighting some roles in the games industry where you basically dressed up as (laughs) as different people in the video game process so I definitely encourage people to check that out Uh, it's funny uh, but also, is it does highlight like, uh, important roles in the video games making process. So, what uh, my first question on that is: is which role did you have most fun playing, other than your own? Oh of my
1: gosh! Oh my gosh! Wait, I need to remember which roles I put in there.
0: Because you had um, so you had obviously game designer, You had artists. You had programmer. You had producer. Oh, I can't remember the other ones.
1: Oh, did I have sound in there? I I, I remember. <laughs> yes. I had, yes. Sound is always so much fun to, like, portray. <laughs> like
0: a guitar, I
1: think? A ukulele, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ukulele, there you
0: go. Yeah. Yes, you can tell, I'm not uh, uh, an <laughs> uh, Yes, ukulele <laughs> sound designer.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love sound designers because, like, they can take anything around them and make it into sound. Basically, like, yeah, they're really ingenious and <laughs> they use their environment to, like, just record sound.
0: Yeah, when you see like some like any behind the scenes of how certain sounds were made, like I saw one, yeah. uh, I think it was Transformers or might have been, might not have been Transformers film, but an advert that a Transformers in. But they were doing, you know, the, the sound that Transformers make when they transform. Mm-hmm. I think they were doing, you know, how that was made, and you just see just getting random objects and, and putting them together. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, that doesn't just come out like that. Oh, yeah, put that together.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's like it's a lot of fun. I remember seeing friend of mine so he did the sound for uh, this game called hidden folks and the thing that's interesting about hidden folks is that like all the sounds are mouth sounds they're all like things like boop, boop. <laughs> things like oh. that and uh so he, sh- he like recorded the behind the scenes and it was like he had taken this cupboard filled it with like styrofoam and like sheets and stuff put the mic in there and then like had like different people from the studio come in and like do the different mouth sounds. <laughs> Just go, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, wow. that sounds like a fun yeah. career path.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, don't, don't get bored doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. All right, so then thinking of like different, you know, different roles, as a games designer, is there a role that you appreciate more now compared to when you first got in the industry or that you're more aware of
1: Mm, i really really appreciate producers like (laughs) producers are like gold
0: (laughs) you know you're the second person to to say that uh i've heard say that in the past week
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's because they're amazing producers are (laughs) they're gold they're amazing they're so good yeah yeah so basically producers like they're fantastic at, like, basically making sure the game actually exists. <laughs> that we can... That, that we you can see act- it at all. Yeah, <laughs> that you see it at all. Like, if you know, the fact that video games exist is all thanks to producers, pretty much. Like, it's...
0: No, I totally get that. Is that and it's that kind of... Because when you think about making video games, you naturally think or a lot of people naturally think sort of coding um yeah I actually had that discussion with a with a young person today I asked her like what you know what do you think um about working in the industry it's like I can't remember her exact words but she said like oh I don't know how to code uh I was like oh well let me tell you about all these <laughs> about yeah. all these other roles but yeah you get producers who you know keep things going I guess
1: yeah and like a producer like I think I hear a lot of people saying like oh producer is just like project management but it's really not it's also really a really creative role. Like I've had uh meetings like a lot of meetings kind of start with a producer saying, "Oh, we can't really do this feature because it's going to be out of our budget or out of our timeline. Like we just do not have like the capacity to make this happen." And then like together with the producer, you like go back and forth thinking about how you can change the feature to like make it within the budget. Mm. And like, that's quite a creative process. (laughs) And, uh, you know, producers actually have a much higher impact on like the end game that you see than like people would think. Like they have quite a lot of creative input that I don't think a lot of people not in the industry are as aware
0: No, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, sometimes creativity can be thought of as like a completely blank canvas, but it's that creativity within any constraints, whether that's time, budget, whatever it might be. And that's when it's like, okay, how can we make this happen? So That's that's when creativity happens. So you might not get the absolute ideal, but you'll be able to work on something. And you might come up with something that you wouldn't have uh, otherwise if it were not for that, whatever the specific constraint was. So...
1: Yeah, exactly. Like some really good ideas can come out of like those constraints.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, here's the producers. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, where you are, actually, do you want to tell us like where you are now and how you landed your first role? So, let me ask that again. Yeah. yeah do you want to tell us how you landed your first role and then who was that with and then how did you get to the company you're with now?
1: Oh, okay. So, it was actually quite a meandering process. <laughs> It wasn't. A, it wasn't a very straight line. Uh, I know, that there's some it never people. I mean, is. Yeah. So I graduated, and actually, the first thing I did was I did an internship at Blast Theory, which isn't exactly a games company. It's they define themselves as a theater company, but okay. <laughs> they do a lot of like immersive theater slash games type stuff. So that was pretty interesting. I did that. I was there for only like two months. They do like two month like internship Right. so it's a really good like starter job if that makes sense (laughs) Uh, because they do it every yeah because they do it every year so it's you know there's always an opportunity there with them Hmm. yeah and like after that I was kind of working in like games adjacent jobs but like not really as like a game designer so I worked for a little bit uh, as an well, the official title was Operations Exec, but it was like an internship type job.
0: It's <laughs> a nice title, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was like, it, well, basically, I was the only employee. Uh, it was for this charity called Games Aid. Oh, okay. And basically, what they do is, well, they're a charity and they try to collect funding from across the games industry to give to charities. And yes, yeah, so it's run by like a group of trustees and they, every year they employ one uh, person to kind of like help them run, and run events and run the, run the thing. But it's a good way to like meet loads of people in the industry. Cause like you've got the board of trustees and the trustees, like there are, they are like, they're important people in the industry.
0: Yeah. I guess they're well connected.
1: Yeah. They're well connected. Uh, so it's a great like starter, like job. Yeah, so I did that for, like, six months, and that, like, helped me kind of, like, get to know people, and yeah, you know, I wasn't doing game design, but, like, I was meeting people, and I was still making games kind of, like, on the side, you know, was going to game jams and meeting friends, you know, networking. Yeah, and then I, you know, that kind of came to an end after the six months, and then I did another job, which was kind of also not really games-related. Kind of like also, you know, it, it paid the bills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> basically. Uh, so I was just, again, trying to figure out my life. Working as a digital content officer at uh, the Creative okay. Industries Federation. You've got some good
0: titles. You're yeah. some
1: good titles. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So basically at the Creative Industries Federation, it was like a, it's a trade body for the Creative Industries. Right. So yeah, so basically lots of like events with like government and and like, yeah, creative industries people. <laughs> uh say, so yeah, I was doing basically their digital everything digital, basically, from like assets to like print publishing to like photography to like i was I was just doing loads of things. <laughs> loads of, everything digital, that was me.
0: <laughs> yeah, just landed on your desk.
1: It just landed, yeah, which was actually quite a lot of work. <laughs> It was actually a really lot of work. Like I kept saying, uh, I should should really be three people, not one person. Oh, really? Well, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but at the same time, like I was kind of like doing a lot of like game stuff on this side. I was, you know, still going to loads of game jams. I started organizing game jams, actually. I guess I should clarify. Do you need to clarify what game jams are? Should I? Yeah, maybe? actually, no,
0: it's worth doing that. We've we, It's come up like in different interviews, but yeah, for some people might not uh, sure. be fully aware.
1: So, game jams are events where everyone gets together in a place, although nowadays you can do it digitally, <laughs> and a theme is set, so, uh, and then everyone has to, like, make a game or a theme uh, within that weekend or week or however long the game jam lasts. Yeah, so you make teams and you, with the team, you make a game, and so by the end of the weekend, you have, like, this little game that you've made with your team. Um it's quite fun. Uh it's, yeah, it's a great way to like meet people in the industry and also like polish up your game making skills and it's quite creative as well. Yeah, so I did loads of that and I also started organizing uh events like that.
0: No, oh, that's really good and I mean like I mentioned we it's come up um in different interviews. I mean we've spoken to people who've gone to a game jam and out of that they've created a studio. Oh wow. One of our interviews for the last gamepad was uh, with Claire Moorwood and uh, Chella Ramanan.
1: Yeah,
0: three four games saying how they met at a game jam, created a yeah, concept, yeah. and then yeah. Before I forget, is now out. So yeah, yes, it's good and everyone to,
1: should go play it. <laughs> that's
0: the message. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a great game, and, and Chella's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, so game jams really recommend them. And then in this, like, mess of, like, you know, going, going to events and, like, making games inside and, like, meeting people, I met, I met some people who were, like, in the, like, activism space. Um, so basically, like, trying to make the world a better place <laughs> sort of space. And one of them had contacts in the UK Labour Party. And this is where... <laughs> kind of like the first gig came from so um it was 2017 there was the elections were coming up and the labor party wanted a game basically just to to promote the the labor manifesto Hmm. uh, to let people know what it what that was all about and You know, this this person was like, "Well, we're activists. We don't know how to make a game, but we know Rosa."
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's halfway there.
1: Wait, she knows how to make games. I was like, "Oh, okay." (laughs) Um, So that was my first like freelance gig. Oh wow! I Was making uh, Corbin Run, which was a a short game where
0: yeah, is that the mobile? Is it a mobile game?
1: yes it was mobile and also web okay yeah and uh it really blew up like we went from like thinking like oh it's just this little thing that we're making to like suddenly it was like on the bbc and the standard and like all over the place like, <laughs> <laughs> i was getting calls from journalists and i was like what's going-? wow <laughs> yeah so after that i was like oh i wonder if like i can you know go into freelancing as a game designer. Is this something that I can now start doing? Um, so I actually I quit my job at the federation, yep. <laughs> and I started trying to freelance as a game designer.
0: Oh wow, that's a big step.
1: Yeah, it was a big step. <laughs> uh, it was very rocky.
0: Yep, I have <laughs> done saying. something similar, so I know.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I definitely like looking back, I would have not done that uh, <laughs> just for my own like mental health but yeah. <laughs> uh, but hey you know at the time i was like why not <laughs> why not let's do it let's do it <laughs> <laughs> uh, There was all this hype around like this game so was, you know try and make something out of it so yeah so that's like when with like the people that i'm that we made like corbin run with we're like okay can we itch can we pitch something similar to like other places Um, So we started uh, contacting, um, like, charities and, and like, other, you know, sort of organizations to see if they, you know, wanted to, you know, make a game to, like, promote, you know, not promote, but, like...
0: But, yeah, get, like, a message or... get a message out, exactly. Awareness, things like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that, like, you know, it was really rocky at first, but, like, we managed to get, like, it's so one organization called Nesta, they work in policy, uh, and they want, they had this bid out, which was like, uh, we want to create a game that teaches uh, the policy making process, which sounds like super dry, <laughs> but like, I <laughs> was like,
0: a, <laughs> riveting. Those, yeah, riveting.
1: <laughs> um, but like we pitched and we got we got the gig. Um, so we made this card game for policy
0: making.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was like a world I had never known before. See around like climate change or like air pollution or like immigration or like things like that. So yeah, that was interesting.
0: So is that how you learned sort of this advocacy side of games or like games for uh, a social cause?
1: Yeah, pretty much. It's kind of, like, how it started. Um, wow. And, like, kind of, like, rolled from there. You know, started getting a few more gigs. Like, started working with one charity called Tender. Tender? no, wait, that was later on. Uh, what was it called? Anyways, <laughs> worked with another charity around, like, um, uh, it was... They had a lot of, like, youth groups. And basically, I wanted to teach them how to, like... Be better people, and like at first, there everything was like big. It was like we want them to like not teach them to not be racist, not be sexist, not be like <laughs> like. Oh. I was like, oh my god, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> On one, <laughs>
0: the one <yeah>. game.
1: <laughs> one thing <laughs> we can like turn it into episodes where each one teaches you something different. Like because I'm one for the first one. Yeah. Yeah. So we made you know their one first episode. Sadly, it didn't continue. So we only made the one, the one episode, but that was interesting. And uh, yeah, and then like after that, I you know worked at Nexus doing like AR stuff, and then Milo and da, 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 et cetera. <laughs> kind of just grew from there.
0: Yeah, it's very very organic. I guess you just yeah just went with it, and then kind of had a. It sounded like you had a, a better and better idea of what you wanted to do, like from initially just architecture <laughs> uh, and then moving yeah. closer, closer to what you want to do
1: yeah pretty much yeah and uh, like now i've actually stopped being a freelancer as of like like a year ago yeah and you know I, my plan was to continue being freelancer uh but i actually started working with this team who really wanted me full-time and i really liked them <laughs> so uh i actually joined them uh, like full-time as of like a little bit under a year ago,
0: and how's that going? Like, how and is it particularly the the difference between like freelance and sort of more p- permanent work? What, yeah. what are those pros and cons?
1: So, I mean, for me right now, I enjoy being full time uh, quite a lot. Actually, like the stability is really nice. Yeah. Like part of <laughs> like part of being a freelancer, is, you know. Even though, like, you know, when you're when you're on a roll and you have gigs, it's like great. But there's always that fear of like, oh, you know, after this project, it could be dry for a while. So that actually is quite anxiety inducing. Uh, <laughs> so I do not miss that. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, freelancing, like it did allow me to like try loads of different projects, which is quite a lot of fun, actually. Like, And I think it, de- like, it really accelerated my development as a game designer, I feel, doing that
0: yeah you get to yeah kind of come in and yeah imagine just work on a variety of of things like like you say you wouldn't even have necessarily have experience of, but you're in it, <laughs> yeah and you exactly need to figure it out
1: yeah exactly, um yeah, and like because like you're constantly changing like environments, like it's quite easy to grow and like take on harder and harder challenges really quickly, which is. Yeah, you know, definitely a plus of of doing freelancing.
0: Yeah, no, sure. I guess there's a it mm-hmm. kind of depends on depends on what you want and sort of I guess where you yeah. are in life maybe as well. Yeah. No, I, I definitely uh I can yeah I can understand that uh that anxiety as well. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah it's pros <present> and cons.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely sure. You have to consider all the, all the different factors.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool. So you are you're in the industry now. I want to fast forward to sort of more recent and less great news, we will end this interview on a high, but we've got to go through <laughs> go through what's happening like currently in the industry. Uh, so obviously we've had the news from Activision Blizzard about the mistreatment and abuse of women uh, in that company. And it kind of reflects on a sort of larger culture kind of needs to change and it's it's all it's basically all coming out from from when the news first broke um as a result of a a lawsuit in california and then you're just seeing sort of more and more and none of it good so my my first thing on on that is just what your initial reaction was to the to the news as has has come out and come out since the initial breaking of the lawsuit
1: yeah so this is actually quite depressing but like first thought was i'm not surprised and here we are again.
0: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately.
1: Unfortunately, like, we've had various Me Too movements already in the games industry. Like, mm. this is like, it's gotten to a point now where every summer a story like that breaks. Like, one time, I think last year it was Raya, and another year it was another, you know, it's like, there was also like indie games are also not exempt. Like, there's plenty of like, Stuff, you know, coming out there as well. And, yeah, like, it's kind of sad that it's not surprising.
0: I know, right? Is It's it's not new.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's not new. At the same time, like, I am glad it's getting out in the open. Like, I do remember, like, previous to, like, the first Me Too, like, big coming out wave. Like, it was just whispered around in, in whisper networks, you know, like... I remember being, you know, at that time when I was organizing a lot of events, I would hear a lot more stories. And I and I remember thinking, like, the only reason I'm hearing these names, hearing these stories is because, like, I'm now well enough connected that I, you know, these stories reach me. Yeah. But someone that's starting out, like, like, when I was starting out, there was no way I could have known. It's It's actually kind of... There's a lot of work that needs to be done to kind of protect people coming into the industry, because like that's where a lot of abuses can can happen.
0: I see. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah, when like you say, you don't you don't know.
1: Yeah, you don't know. You're really eager, and like there's you know people that prey on that. You know that use that eagerness to to their advantage. And and I do have to say, like things like for example, uh, Break, which is like a mentorship program has been fantastic at like being able to help people coming into the industry by like connecting them up with mentors who have more industry so they can like be like oh be careful <laughs>
0: mm, yeah this <laughs> with, with doesn't that. look right this doesn't you look right ask exactly. these questions yeah ask
1: these questions exactly um so programs like that are fantastic and i'm so glad they exist now i wish they existed like when i was the first coming into the industry <laughs> but yeah
0: yeah it is um like you say, it's not yeah, it's not new. Cause and it's one of those things where I always mention sort of working with young people and people who, like you say, don't know and they might want to come in. And the the question I always have, uh, and it's a you know it's a big question. We're not gonna answer it here, but it's like how how can you how can you make an actual change? Because the mm. the thing for me, and I'm sort of not like the news that came out, not necessarily you know directly infected affected by the balls, you know, you want to consider other people and that, and I think that's an important thing. But as I'm looking at it and hearing the stories and then hearing the responses from upper management at Activism, Activision Blizzard, even I think the CEO, and it's kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, but you know, you see statements. And it's just like, no, yeah. we're not, we're not having that. It's like yeah. you can't just put out a well-worded <laughs> statement and just say. Because I think there was something that came out that you know they're going to hire an outside uh, legal firm to to do an audit into the practices. But it's like, who's paying for the legal firm? You are. So yeah. What's, yeah. what's that? And it's, it's like you you can't you can't just do that. You can't put out a a statement and just. Uh, I think we're we're at least past that point. I'd hope. Yeah. And unfortunately, that means I think more. There's more to come out but maybe in the long term that's a sort of benefit to understand like you know who are these people that we need out and yeah. uh, and where are they and then so sort of going back to young people just because as a brand we work with young people and after the story came out I had a conversation with with someone and and they said this is essentially the kind of thing that you know makes them second guess wanting yeah. to work in the industry and it's a major problem because the part of the this this whole culture is, is a lack of diversity. Yeah. <laughs> so when it comes out at such a big company, it's putting off the very people you actually need more of in, yeah, in the totally. industry. So I don't even, uh, I guess I, I, my question is how can we change the culture? But again, it's such a big question. I don't know what, what can be done in, in for where we are now.
1: Yeah. I think like where, so I always think back to like Iceland and how, you know, they have their mass, like countrywide walkout, where like all mm. these women walk out to demand equal pay. Yeah, and I feel like we need something similar in the games industry. I think right. what the Activision employees are doing—going on strike and walking out to demand, you know, uh, demand like this this culture being stopped um, and like setting out the steps on, like how they how they want that to happen. Exactly what needs to be done because what do you do when, like, this you know, the people at the top allow you know employees to behave the way they behave? They need to be setting an example, but of course, if like you know the people, the leaders themselves are not you know behaving, then like that's a much harder, yeah. What do you do? That's a much harder problem. But I think the thing to remember is that even the C suite have bosses they have investors they have a board of directors that they need to answer to and like these people actually hold quite a lot of power over like over the culture yeah and so i think like strikes and walking out and organizing is actually exactly what needs to to be done like basically we need to, to stop these companies from being able to like make make capital so that the investors and the you know the board of directors go wait a minute (laughs) we need to do something (laughs) we need to do something um and then like you know those demands will be met
0: yeah i think that is kind of ultimately you know there's there's there will always be a section of people that will do the right thing um they're not always in the positions to uh, to have the impact but those that for the rest is like you know financial if you if it's not in the you know financial interest to yeah, to allow this kind of culture to, to exist, then that will help change it. The fact that, like you say, it's at such a high level and this kind of thing can happen, Activision Blizzard can still make, you know, whatever money they're making. That means it can continue because the company's doing, you know, what it should be and making money. How it's yeah. doing it is, you know, is not necessarily as big a concern sometimes <laughs> as as that it is doing it. So if you impact, like, the ability to, make a, you know, profit in things and it's like, oh, we might need to do these things differently.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh and so I'm just like that's, you know, that's the best way to to affect that change, you know.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, like I said it is is a unfortunate thing, um but it's something that is that's is happening. So, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to get your your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I do want to say though like not every studio in the games industry is bad
0: yeah that's important to mention too, you know. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, like, yes, there are these problems, and yes, it's more like way more pervasive than it should be. but there are really good studios that do, like, you know, led by good people that do try their best to like foster like a good environment, and they care about and they care about like the well-being of, of their employees, and like, you know, there those do exist. It's just that, you know, you don't hear about them.
0: Because that's the right thing to do. That's like, the yeah. right thing to do, <laughs> <And> then, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that's true. And, and it yeah, it, it matters for like the obvious reason, but also mm-hmm. like sometimes when you have conversations with people outside the industry, and again, when it's a company this big and this sets the tone of the conversation in a sense, like I remember having a conversation not too long ago with a friend and she's not into video games at all. And I remember she brought up a, uh, a story to me about sort of sexism in the industry. This is obviously before, but yeah, this was before <laughs> this Activision, so hmm. I wasn't even related to that. Just in general, and it's like this is what people take from it. Yeah. If so, if you're not sort of in it and you have that, you know, perception of games as, you know, uh, in this case, it was it was sexist. And I, I was trying to say that yes, sort of bad things do happen and it needs to change. But like you say, not everyone in the games industry is a terrible person. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> when the things like this come out, it makes it harder to kind of defend the industry because is <laughs> yeah. one of the biggest companies, just allowing this culture to exist. And yeah, what do you what do you say? So
1: Yeah, no, I think like the thing to do when going into the industry is to like you know be aware that like not all studios are, you know, terrible and bad and have a bad culture like that but to like look out for red flags when doing interviews and like you know know like what to watch out for you know like I definitely like the first port of call like for me is, for me, is like to look at them see the diversity like if they're quite diverse then like that's a generally is a good green flag if you see a sea of white men then it's like uh. <laughs> Um, you might want to
0: ask ask them questions ask them
1: questions about their (laughs) (laughs) diversity and things like that yeah
0: yeah I think just yeah arming people with information yeah yeah it's always a good thing so I don't want to leave things on that note see if we can end a bit more positively and talk a bit more about actual games so as well as all the work that you're currently doing As a game designer in the video game industry, you are currently working on your own game. Can you tell us a bit more about that and where the inspiration came from?
1: Yeah, so the game that I'm making is called Digame, which it's a game where you play as a telephone operator to a small Spanish town in the 1970s.
0: Would this be your Spanish town? Yes. Yeah. Just <laughs> random guess. Just random guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. Inspired by a true story. Uh <laughs> as well. Uh yeah, but you as the television in on everyone's phone conversations. So you know all the gossip. <sighs> and uh you can accidentally connect well, accidentally in quotation marks, connect <laughs> the wrong people and like spill the tea.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: And see how that changes affects the story. <laughs> Ripples on. <laughs>
0: Are you saying inspired by a true story? <laughs>
1: yes, it is inspired by a true story. They're in the village in the 1970s. No, it was a bit late. In the 18, it was like early 80s. There was this old woman in the village who knew everyone's gossip.
0: Everyone's uh. gossip.
1: And the reason was is because she was a telephone operator.
0: Okay.
1: And my aunt has this story that like, she was once like on on the phone with this like, with this boy that, you know, she was a little bit, you know, they were a bit flirty with each other. Mm. And suddenly they hear this granny interject and say, oh, ask her out already. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I was she like, just couldn't hold it any longer. You yeah, know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> was know, like, it's like um, watching a sitcom and you just want to shout at the characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so obviously, like, this, this game is really inspired by um, telenovelas, uh, sitcoms, you know, but there's loads of over dramatic. <laughs> um, everyone has secrets that they're trying to keep. And um, yeah, there's way too much happening in this town. <laughs> More than it's actually feasible. It's small town happened. where everything happens. Everything happens, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah I like that. That's cool. That's cool. And do you have ever- a. You know, I always don't want to even ask this, but do you have a uh, a a release date window, or is it just yeah? I I, I know that, yeah. Yeah, when it when it's things like that, it's kind of like it'll be done when it's done.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of doing it on the side, so when it happens, it happens. (laughs) All
0: right, yeah, we'll look out for that. Maybe, yeah, pick your brain a bit when that is out. Whenever, whenever it's out. All right, so. Before we end, um, I want to get into our guest advice for the episode. In each interview, we like to ask our guests to give advice for aspiring creative professionals. So we've been talking video games today. Uh, So Rosa, what advice do you have for others who are listening who may want to build a similar career in the video games industry?
1: I think a good piece of advice would be to... Just make things, make things with friends if you can, or with people, you know, join game jams and just make things, you know, you learn so much, you'll meet people that also want to be in the industry or are in the industry. Mm. And at the end, you'll have like a game, something that you can, uh, you know, add to your portfolio um, and that all counts.
0: I like it, and I'll add to that something you said earlier on: is like don't get too attached to yes, your work, and don't get too attached, uh, to your especially work. early on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just make it, finish it, put it out, ship it, and don't yeah. be too.
1: Don't try to make anything too big. Just make something small, something you can do in a weekend, and just put it out there. Don't be too precious. Just, just keep doing that over and over again
0: yeah no that's that's really good because we've we've had sort of different variations of that and I always think it's worth bringing up because it's it's simple but yeah, yeah I've, I've had <laughs> conversations with people like people ask me how do you make comics and how do you get them out and it was like we just made something like honestly was, <laughs> yeah. there was no strategic meeting. we just made something and and learned. we funny enough we did not take your advice because we started what well, we were going to start like doing massive multi-comic project with multiple artists and I just didn't work. So we did one one comic with one artist, got started and then built from there. Yeah. Solid, That's solid perfect. advice it's that grown. I did not follow. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's grand though, you know, it's
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. eventually it, it kind of gets there. So yeah.
1: all
0: right, my final two questions. One, you're into roller skating. Yes. How did that come about? And how good are you?
1: Uh how good am i i'm i'm no longer at beginner level which
0: is okay i like it that's progress
1: i can i can do some jam moves okay uh but i'm still not i'm still not that good
0: <laughs> can you skate okay. backwards
1: i can i can skate backwards
0: okay you're good enough then
1: yeah <laughs> good that was cool impresses again.
0: me when people can skate backwards I don't know how difficult or easy it is but it, it looks cool uh,
1: it's more the fear you know you have to get over the fear of going backwards ah uh, okay <laughs> that's the scary but yeah <laughs> the actual technique isn't that okay. all psychological um all yeah. right
0: maybe that's why I've, I've, it's been uh, many many years since I tried skating I like the idea of skating in my mind but uh, it never worked when I was young so uh, yeah but I always appreciate when I see it done well at yeah. least
1: <laughs> Yeah, you just got to keep at it. You know, you got to not let the fact that you're crap at first <laughs> get <laughs> yeah. to you. You
0: have to get over that. Get over That's get where, over that. yeah. <laughs> that is where I failed. <laughs> cool. Um, and my final question is uh, where can people find out more about you and your work?
1: Uh, so, Twitter is the best place to find me. Um, so, my Twitter handle is more Ellen. So, M O R E E L E N.
0: Is that the same for TikTok? So, I'm because I'm going to uh, put that yes. TikTok link in there. Okay. It's the same oh. <laughs> for TikTok.
1: Uh, actually, on TikTok, I do post videos about, like, getting into the industry and, like, beginner-friendly, like, stuff about being a game designer. Uh, so, if you're interested in being a game designer, that's a good place <laughs> to learn more.
0: All right. Well, uh, yeah, we'll put that in the show notes so people can check that out and, uh, yeah, see what you're up to. So... Rosa, thank you very much for joining me. Always love hearing about people's journey. It's been good to hear uh, about yours all the way from uh, a small village outside of Valencia in Spain.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun.
0: Yeah, and thank you for everyone listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Uh, You can also give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever they let you uh, review. Uh, that just helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions and video games. Uh, outside of video games, we are working on our next manga. Uh, so it's coming this month. Uh, we're preparing it for print. We're getting the art, final artwork uh, done, preparing everything for print. So that's going to be available. It is up for pre-order uh, at the moment. Um, and then we're going to be doing a launch stream. we are to do something. We'll kind of talk about that. Uh, In the coming uh, weeks, just to celebrate the release of the new story series Through the Fog. Uh, You can also check out our current manga titles at myamada.com forward slash manga. And I talked about Gamepad uh, at the top. You can join our Discord and uh, also consider becoming a Studio 77 member for exclusive access to Gamepad events and content from the Myamada universe. And the next Gamepad online event is Saturday, the 16th of October. It's free, get your tickets at gamepad.events and then yeah, stay tuned for all the things that we're going to be uh, packing into that show. Other than that, look out for more podcast episodes including creator interviews, video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture. You can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story. So until next time, stay tuned, stay safe, and we will see you all again later.